0: People have all kinds of objections as to why Jesus wouldn't call them, make them his own, and use them to build his kingdom, perhaps in the most extraordinary ways. Uh, Most people wouldn't think of it in those terms, uh, but they know that they don't want to have anything to do with Christianity, and there are reasons for that. Uh, Those who have not yet come to faith often have a perception of what Christians are like and they think well I'm just not that kind of a person you see when people reject christianity it's not so much uh, I think often that they're rejecting the christian message most people these days don't really know what lies at the heart of the christian message it's more of a case of uh, I don't fit that mold or I don't want to fit that mold or to put it another way I don't measure up or I don't want to measure up. Uh, Those who say, I don't measure up, perhaps look at Christians and think uh, that they're people whose lives are sorted. Kind of like, well, I do A, B, and C, and I struggle with X, Y, and Z, and Christians don't do those things or struggle with those things, and so that rules me out. Uh, Well, actually, in today's passage, we see Peter saying the equivalent of, I don't measure up. And then there are those who say, I don't want to measure up. And these are people who usually have quite a negative view of Christians and or Christianity. Uh, They might think Christians are naive, gullible, uh, backward, uh, that they believe all this mumbo-jumbo that science has disproved hundreds of years ago. They might think, I'm a rational, scientific kind of person. I could never be a Christian. But often people will say that without examining the claims of Christianity. Christianity without looking at the evidence uh, for those claims. Uh, When people pull the science card, I often say, well, how come there are so many scientists who are Christians? This idea that there's uh, a conflict between science and Christianity, as if those two modes of thought are incompatible, is quite simply false. Uh, Others see Christians as people who have nothing better to do than sit through dry dusty, boring services. Uh, You know, the kind of services where you get a printed service order and you find yourself flicking through it to try and work out how much there is left to endure. (laughs) You've all done it. Uh, Others think that the church is out to get your money, or that Christians are hypocrites, or just a bit odd. Uh, To my shame, there was a point in my life where uh, I had this perception, I thought that, Uh, Christianity was for middle-aged and elderly women of both sexes. And I had nothing against middle-aged or elderly women. I just failed to see how I could fit in. That was the perception that I got. Uh, So people outside the church, they don't investigate the Christian message because they often have misconceptions about Christians, and they think, I don't fit that mold, or I don't want to fit that mold. But also inside the church, people who are Christians, they often fail to see that Jesus has called them to take part in his mission. Christians exclude themselves from having a kingdom-building role for all kinds of reasons. They think, I'm a new Christian, I don't know very much yet. Or I'm not a very good example of a Christian. Or I'm too busy. Or I don't have the right skills and gifts. Or my life's in a mess, or whatever it is. But we need to understand that being called to follow Christ and being called to engage in his mission is one and the same thing. If you are a Christian, it is because Jesus has called you. And Jesus doesn't call anyone to sit passively in church as a spectator. Uh, Jesus doesn't call anyone just so they can put a fish sticker in the back of their car and tick the Christian box on a form. Jesus calls us to follow him and take part in his work of building the kingdom. There are no bystanders in the kingdom of God. Well, today's passage shatters all the misconceptions about those whom Jesus calls to partner with him. And hopefully we'll be able to see that being called to follow Christ means being called to take part in his mission. So let's look at what happened. Uh, A group of tired fishermen are cleaning their nets after a disappointing night's work. They had literally caught nothing. And uh, on the shore of the lake, Luke calls it the Lake of Gennesaret, you probably know it better as the Sea of Galilee, on the shore... Uh, a crowd is forming around Jesus who is preaching and teaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And it could be that people were, were jostling, trying to get closer to Jesus so they could hear him better. So Jesus uh, gets into Simon Peter's boat, um, which is right there at the water's edge, and tells Simon just to put out a little way from the shore. Uh, and a- actually, the shore around the lake near Capernaum has a series of steep inlets and they form kind of natural amphitheaters. So if you do just go out a little way uh, into the lake, you could actually address quite a large crowd and be heard. Uh, So Jesus teaches the crowd from the boat. Uh, He finishes teaching and he tells Simon, who later becomes known as Peter, to head back out into deep water, put down his nets for a catch of fish, which on the face of it, is a ludicrous thing to do. It was much more likely that you would catch fish at night. That's why they fished after dark. Uh, they'd been all out all night. They caught nothing. It was very unlikely they were going to catch anything during the daytime. Peter clearly has his doubts, but out of respect for Jesus, he agrees. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down my nets. Um, we know that um, from Matthew's gospel that uh, Peter was in the boat with his brother Andrew. Uh, in the other boat was um, uh, James and John and their father Zebedee. And when Simon and Andrew put down their net, they caught so many fish that the net began to break. So they signal to the other boat to come and help them. And uh, the two boats take on so many fish that they literally begin to sink. Now Simon clearly understands that something supernatural has happened. Uh, He catches, I think, more than a glimpse of who Jesus is. He might not be able to put it into words, but he's awestruck. And he feels sinful and unworthy in Jesus' presence. Uh, He drops down on his knees. He says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Notice how in verse 5, Uh, Simon refers to Jesus as master, but now he's calling him Lord. Simon recognizes that Jesus is more than just a great teacher. Jesus Jesus replied, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. In other words, you and I are going to be working together from now on. And I love this. Jesus uh, didn't need Simon Peter to help him accomplish his Mission or any of the other disciples, but he wants to include them. God is relational, he wants us to work alongside him. He doesn't need us, he wants us, he loves us. And as always, Jesus confounds all expectations. Who will the Messiah choose to work alongside him? The super religious people, perhaps. No. Uh, Jesus had constant run-ins with the super-religious people, particularly the Pharisees. Uh, In fact, it was the religious types who provided all the opposition to Jesus. They hated him. The first people that Jesus called were a group of down-to-earth fishermen. And so we see that Jesus calls ordinary people, doubting people, and sinful people. Firstly, ordinary people. Fishing, like farming, is a tough way to make a living. It's extremely physical, and you're out in all weathers battling the elements. That's true today, even more so 2,000 years ago when they were working with much more basic technology. This is a group of burly, working-class men, hands like shovels, not particularly well-educated, and probably a bit rough around the edges, certainly not your, your pious religious types. Uh, Last week, uh, we had a team of roofers come to repair the the damage that had been done by the hailstorm, and I expect that uh, most of us have seen roofers at work in Springfield in recent weeks. Well, we don't see many uh, deep-sea fishermen in Springfield, uh, but you've seen a lot of roofers, and uh, it's the same same kind of blokes, working-class guys. If Jesus came to Springfield in 2021, uh, a crowd would form. He'd call up to a group of roofers, he'd climb up the ladder, he'd go up onto the roof, he'd preach a sermon from up there, and when he'd finished preaching, he'd tell that group of roofers to go and do something totally out of the ordinary, to go straight on to the next job, even though it already got dark, something they would never do. Uh, They'd achieve a full day's work in about 10 minutes, and they would know that Jesus was someone worth following. It's interesting, when you think of a, a typical ministry leader or church worker, you don't think of a group of roofers or fishermen. And it's not that Jesus only uses or prefers to use burly working class blokes. Uh, if we look at the history of the church, we can see that Jesus uses people from every background imaginable. But certainly this passage highlights that Jesus uses ordinary people like you, And me. And we know that ordinary people are busy people. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they had full time jobs. Uh, Some of them we know were married, most likely had children. They were busy, they had responsibilities, livelihoods, and routines. And Jesus came and disrupted all of that, albeit in the most uh, exciting and wonderful way, but there's no denying that Jesus disrupted their lives. Verse 11 says, so they, they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. That doesn't mean that they left their wives and their children, those who had them, uh, and, and, and shirk their responsibilities. In 1 Corinthians 9 verse 5, the apostle Paul writes, don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers, And Cephas. Cephas, by the way, is Simon Peter. So when the apostles went all over the world uh, proclaiming the good news of Jesus, they took their families along with them. But in spite of their busy lives, the disciples made room for that which Jesus had called them to do. They made it their number one priority. Now, Jesus won't necessarily call you to change your career in a dramatic way, he might do. I mean, I think of my own experience, Royal Marines Commando to Anglican Priest is a fairly dramatic change, but I think for the most part, Jesus will call you to fish from the boat that you're already in. In other words, you're called to reach out to the people that you encounter at work and through your everyday uh, activities. If you work in an office or a school or on a building site, that is your fishing ground, that is your mission field. If you go to a gym or a hair salon or a jiu-jitsu club, that is your mission field. If you've got members of your family who don't yet know Jesus, that is another mission field. Jesus called the first disciples to be fishers of men, fishers of people. He called them to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And he calls ordinary people like you and me to do the same. So Jesus called ordinary people. He also calls doubtful people. When Jesus told Peter to put out into deeper water and put down his nets, Jesus had his doubts. Uh, sorry, Peter had his doubts. Uh, he basically says, I don't think this is going to work, but if you say so, I'll do it. Peter didn't really expect to catch anything, let alone that massive haul of fish. And sometimes uh, we wonder whether Jesus will make anything of our feeble attempts to follow him. But he does. And sometimes it can feel like an uphill struggle. Other times it can be surprisingly easy. I was talking to Amy the other week and she told me that... Uh, Prior to Christmas, she'd put some flyers for our Christmas services on the table at work. And one of her colleagues had picked a flyer up. She and her family had come to the Christmas services, and then they started coming to church. That was a pretty easy day's fishing. We don't need to preempt what Jesus will or won't do through our fishing attempts. We just need to let down our nets, because that's what he's told us to do. And If you feel a bit doubtful or sceptical... Put down your nets anyway. You might be surprised at the result. The world says seeing is believing. But Jesus says believe and then you will see. So let's do what Jesus is telling us to do and see what happens. So Jesus calls ordinary people, doubting people, and finally sinful people. uh, When the first hint of Jesus' identity dawns on Peter he immediately becomes aware of his sin. Jesus is the light of the world, and his light searches out the sin in our lives. And that can be pretty uncomfortable until we realize that that sin can be forgiven and dealt with, and we can have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But at this stage, Peter doesn't understand that and he thinks that his sinfulness disqualifies him from being anywhere near Jesus. And a lot of people today can't imagine that Jesus would call them because of the state of their lives. And we need to let those people know that Jesus loves them, and he's calling them to start a new life with him. It's not that sin doesn't matter. It does. Because of sin, Jesus died for us. But the wonderful news of the gospel is that our past doesn't need to determine our future. God is a God of second chances. And the most transformative thing that you and I can ever do with our lives is to respond to Jesus' call. Nothing will aid our fight against sin more effectively than living in humble obedience to Christ, responding to his call engaging in the mission that he set before us. Jesus is the ultimate fisher of men, and when he catches fish, he cleans them. He transforms our lives. So what happens when ordinary, doubting, sinful people follow Jesus? Well, we see the answer in our catch of fish. The mission of God doesn't rely on our skill, or our gifts, or our strength of character, or our hard graft. Uh, Those fishermen worked all night. They gave it their all, and they caught nothing. Our success depends on our proximity to Jesus. Uh, If we are willing to respond to Jesus' call and work alongside him, we will catch fish. We will see people brought into the kingdom. The fact that Peter and the others caught so many fish is indicative of the huge impact that their ministry would have. And we see that. I mean, how many people have turned to Christ in the last 2,000 years? Millions upon millions. And it all started with a group of ordinary, doubting, sinful blokes who reorganized their priorities and followed Jesus. Jesus called them to be fishers of people. Jesus calls us to be fishers of people. I wonder what kind of a catch is out there in Springfield and the surrounding areas waiting for us to put down our nets. So where are you today? Where are you today? Perhaps you're already fishing. You've responded to Jesus' call And you know that you're working alongside him, reaching out to people with the good news. If that's you, keep going. Fulfill your calling. Or maybe you're on board. You're in the boat with Jesus. And in your heart, you've said, yes, I'll give it a go. And even now, you might be putting out into deeper water, albeit reluctantly, but you're on your way. That's wonderful. See it through. Put down those nets. And in so doing, uh, you will see your own life transformed and you will have the privilege of seeing other people's lives transformed. Or maybe you're still on the shore, uh, in the crowd, an onlooker. You've heard enough to know that something is going on. Uh, You may have seen other people suddenly change their lives. But you're thinking, do you know what? I'm not sure if I fit that mold. I'm not sure if I fit the Christian mold. Well, there is no Christian mold. Jesus calls all kinds of people, including people like you. Forget the negative stereotypes. The question is, do you want to become more like Jesus and follow his amazing and exciting calling, this amazing adventure that he's called us on? Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your Son, Jesus, we have one person who is worth following, one person who it is worth aspiring to be like, one person who it is worth devoting our lives to. And Father, we recognize that by, by following you, by being responsive to, to the work that you've called us to. It actually changes us, and it helps us to be uh, better husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, grandparents, colleagues. It helps us to be changed into your likeness. Uh, we recognize, Lord, that there are no bystanders in your kingdom. And we pray that you will continue to show us and guide us, what it is that you want us to do with our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.